He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And guys, I guess the top story is uh, OU football is dead. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, we don't have to talk about it. Live Golf Bangkok was an absolute success, boys, and we had a very surprise winner to probably people around the world, but not around here. We saw how good Eugenio Lopez Chikara was last year when we were covering the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and guys, Eugenio Lopez Chikara and his Fireballs team go out and win Live Bangkok. Eugenio Lopez Chikara finishes at 19 under three shots over Patrick Reed, T-Dub. I have to get your thoughts because I thought this was one of the more entertaining live events we've seen since it all began. Well, let me just try to collect myself after that unnecessary shot at my OU football team there. To start the show. So let, let, let me just compose myself real quick and, and get flustered because what we saw last weekend for football was absolutely atrocious. But what we had on the golf side, guys, was absolutely spectacular. Had a live event like you just mentioned. We had a great PGA Tour event that we'll get into. And even the Spanish Open was really good and had some really great comments from John Rahm after the round that I want to get into. But as far as the live goes, Sam, it's interesting because – Obviously, me and Woody had our bet before the week. Of I had Cam Smith, DJ, and Joaquin Neiman. Those three, Woody had the field. I, those three guys never had a chance to win. And the point of me bringing that up is that you would have thought that with without Liv having the quote-unquote extremely huge names up there. I mean, look at the guys. Obviously, Shakar is such a big name because he went to OSU. So that's one reason that he's big around here. But Patrick Reed, Paul Casey, Richard Bland. Um, Siwa Kim, uh, James, Pay- uh, James Pyatt, Harold Varner. I mean, those guys are not needle movers really by any stretch of the imagination, and yet it was still a, a, a really good event, Woody. So, I mean, the fact that Liv seemed to have everything going against them, uh, obviously we were watching it at, at 10 o'clock at night, basically, and watching into the wee-wee hours, and it didn't have its star players up there. You had to send up being a really good event. Well, we said this all along, that this live tour is going to be life-changing. For a number of guys. We've seen it with Taylor Gooch. Taylor Gooch has made enough money this year, guys, to never have to worry about money for his family again. Takara, uh, you know he didn't come from just the most wealthiest family. So that's, that's what's probably the coolest thing about this is it was a fun golf tournament to watch. It was great for us because it's local because of a local guy. Uh, I think I made a mistake. I picked an OSU guy. Uh, can I have a uh, mulligan and say I picked the car instead of Gooch? Because he let me have the four aces, and they tanked on my ass. I knew they would. So, But, no, T-Dub, I wouldn't do that, I'm telling you. But, guys, no, it's a good week. It was a good week for golf. Even the Shriners was a good tournament. It really was, and we'll get to the Shriners right after we finish talking about Liv. But, guys, we have to talk about the Fireballs, the team of Sergio Garcia, Abe Anser, Carlos Ortiz, and obviously Eugenio Lopez Chikara. They get their first win on the Liv series, and they get a uh, seven-shot victory over the Crushers, and then the Cleeks finish third, the Ironheads finish fourth, the Niblicks finish fifth, Woody finally picks the four aces, and they finish sixth in the team event. They're midway through the pack. Woody, what do you have to say for yourself? Are you the, the kiss of death? You guys shamed me into that pick. <laughs> I, 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 made my, I, I opened my yap, and then you shamed me into that pick. I knew better to pick them. Uh, I am a black cloud when it comes to team golf. Just remember that. So if there's two teams playing, and I pick one, bet on the other one. That's all I can tell you. I suck. That's all I can say. I wasn't as bad as OU football, but I was close. <laughs> well, T-Dev, on a serious note, I really do want to get your thoughts on Eugenio because two things that I absolutely loved from him 
on Sunday, uh, well, Saturday night slash Sunday, um, was the fact that Eugenio lopez Chicara went out and didn't treat it like any different round. He continued to play fast, and that's how Eugenio lopez Chicara likes to play. He plays fast, he gets over the ball, and he goes. And he continued to do that over and over and over again in the final round. And T-Dub, I don't know if you agree with me, but the thing that impressed me the most was when he had 16 holes left to play, put it in the water. He had a five-footer for bogey on one of his starting holes. It was like the third hole, I think, T-Dub. And he just gets up there and rams it right in the heart from five feet on a downhill left-to-right slider. And that's when I feel like he really settled into the round. Even though it was a bogey, it kept that momentum of him playing well the first two days and kind of propelled him and gave him the confidence to know that he, he's fine. He's going he's gonna to settle into this round and win this golf tournament, T-Dub. I don't know if you saw the same thing. I, I did, yeah. I think that was a very, very pivotal hole because anytime you start any tournament, any final round with a big lead, I believe he had a five-shot lead going in the final round, which is pretty crazy whenever you only have 36 holes leading up to the shot, 65-63, uh, the first two rounds. And, you know, one thing that I really think helped Chikara as well is that I feel like this course set up really well for him. It wasn't particularly narrow off the tee. He was able to pump driver almost on every single hole. And, and it was a fairly long course. He was able to take advantage of his length. And one of the reasons why I think the points you brought up earlier were so important, Sam, is that that, that little six-footer he had for bogey, I mean, we, we've documented it forever around here, it feels like, with his putting woes. We, we remember the East Lake Cup. He had a chance for OSU to win that, and he missed a, essentially an 18 inches and he mm-hmm. touched the hole. So you definitely know that that's uh, something that's in the back of his head. And you just add up the pressure of having not only just to win the $4 million by himself, but as you alluded to earlier, the fireballs were the team to beat. They ended up winning by seven shots, but still they, they could have easily not won this tournament had he, had he played, played poorly. And the, the thing that I find so interesting, too, about it, Sam, is I went, I went and looked at it. So, Eugenia made four, what, $4.75 million mm-hmm. this last week in one tournament. That would have put him 21st, 21st on last year's PJ Tour money list. He would have been in the top 25 based off of one tournament. And people wanted so him I, to go and, to the Corn Ferry Tour, much less the PGA Tour. And people wanted him to stay in college, too. So, I, I think at this point, That's it's right. safe to say that, that Jakar has made a very, very – an economically smart decision, at least. Let's just put it that way. And Woody, I want to ask you something technical about his putting because his putting was super solid throughout the entire week, but it looks a little different from other players, um, especially elite players in the world that we see, Woody. Obviously, he has the sweeper, the very long putter, not just going up the arm. Um, but, Woody, the main thing that I see from his stroke is that he takes a very short backstroke, and his stroke, like Faraday said, he goes, and he makes another one with just a follow-through. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so what do you see in his putting that makes it good, even though it looks different? Well, that putting stroke is going to be streaky. Uh, I'll just tell you that. And and if you remember in his college days, Carl wasn't a great putter. He was an unbelievable ball striker. Mm-hmm. Even in college, he didn't putt it that well. Anytime you see a guy anchoring a putter up his arm or using a long broom handle, trust me, they got some demons. They they are not what I call a good putter. <laughs> right. I, I, that, you can just write that on the wall. Okay? Now, does that mean they're going to be a bad putter all the time? No, but it does mean they're going to be a very streaky putter. When they're on, they're on. When they're off, they can get ugly. Uh, I can tell you what, it's a lot like Wills out of course, guys. Sometimes he looks so good with a putter, and sometimes he looks like Stevie Wonder, okay? <laughs> and we don't know which is coming, but whichever one comes on a certain week, if it's on a roll, as good as they hit the golf ball, Chakara can win anywhere, anywhere if he gets that putter rolling just a little bit. He doesn't need to be great. He just needs to be good. T-Dub, talking about Stonehill Golf Club where this live event was in Bangkok, you, you talked about how the fairways are a little more wide open than we normally see, and, and I loved the look of this golf course. It looked like a place that I would really enjoy going to play. However, I feel like I kind of 
missed when I was predicting this tournament, T-Dub. I was favoring more of the Bombers, and and kind of tell me why Stonehill Golf Club didn't necessarily set up for the extreme Bombers, such as a Brooks Kepka who finished ninth, or uh, Bryson DeChambeau, or Dustin Johnson. How come there was the Patrick Reeds, and the Paul Casey's, and the Richard Bland's, and the Siwon Kim's of the world up there? Uh, by the way, Siwon Kim, this is really the first time that I've really watched him play a lot of golf and he has a beautiful golf swing was striking the ball beautifully um, but t-dub tell me why it really favored the great iron players this week well with the course being so long as it was you, you weren't going to be able to overpower it so i mean obviously distance is an advantage on essentially any course you go to but this one you needed to be so precise with your irons into the greens that, that i feel like that that was even a, of a little bit more prevalence and I think one thing that Woody brought up uh, last week in our preview show that, that proved to be very important was Thailand's in such a different part of the country and you're flying across the world, time change, there's so many things going against you that certain people just adjust to that better. I mean, Patrick Reed's played all over the world for, for quite a while. Uh, Chikara's done the same thing when he was younger, Paul Casey as well. So I feel like those guys are just able to kind of build off of that, what I would call a unique experience. And I agree with you, Sam. I like the, I liked the course. I thought it looked really good and I think it's set up well, it set up a lot different than some of the other the courses we played. But another testament to why I think that, that Liv is going to be a major success going forward is that if I had to rank all of the Liv courses they played so far, this is, the, what, the sixth event, I would probably put this as my sixth favorite course out of all of them. And that's not a real uh, slap to, to the course in Thailand. It's just mm-hmm. I feel like all the other courses were, were a lot better. So I, I think that, that whenever you add up all the things going against Liv, like I mentioned earlier, the time of the broadcast, not having the big name, and you add up the fact that even though it's still a good golf course, it's still probably the worst one they played on. And for still to be this much of a success, I think speaks for itself. Woody, what are your thoughts on Greg Norman Jr.'s tweet after Liv Bangkok saying that, hey, at Augusta National, give Eugenio Lopez Chikara an exemption into the Masters. What are your thoughts on that? you got to walk a real fine line there when you talk about giving somebody exemption into the Masters. And it's not my call. It's Fred Ridley's call and all those guys down there. The way the – just the way Augusta has approached this live, though, I don't know, Sam. I, if he got one, mm-hmm. it would shock the fire out of me, buddy. It really would. I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening either. I just think that, you know, Augusta National has done so many great things for amateur golf to help a guy out who is playing amazing golf coming out of college and and even could still be in college. I feel like for them to have the best young players in the world, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world, T-Dub, but I I agree with Woody. I agree with just the sentiment of Augusta can't be given special exemptions. If they want to eventually with all the live and everything that's come up change their uh, entry criteria i'm fine with that but but no I, i'm not up for just giving special exemptions for people that you think deserve to be there and, and who you don't because too many politics that evolve into that but i do think it's a, a good place to start with a sense of and we kind of brought this up when live was first going on but this is a great time to bring it up because before you had cam smith dustin johnson uh, some of the bigger names with the exception of maybe charles schwartz with the first event you know, we're kind of we're the winners of these events, but now you have a young up-and-comer, a 22, one of the best 22-year-olds in the world, ends up winning this tournament. You know, what does that mean? You know, generally, if, if that happened on the PGA Tour, if he went, if Dakar was on the PGA Tour and played like this, he would be in the Masters because he would have won a PGA Tour event. So it's, it's interesting to see, and it's a good, fun conversation to get into. Of, I mean, should, if, if we eventually want to get the criteria to where if you win a live event, you're, you're into the majors, I would probably be okay with that just to the point that it's got. But um, at least at this point, I would not be given special exemptions. But it is a, a different, uh, the, a good dichotomy of the situation to figure out. I mean, what exactly does this win mean for Jakar besides a, a fat paycheck? Well, it's definitely a fat paycheck, and Eugenio Lopez Chikara won over three times more at Live Golf Bangkok than Tom Kim did for winning the Shriners Open. That's just crazy. Four point seven five million to Tom Kim's one point four four million. So, all of the world ranking stuff aside. It was a definitely just a massive check for Eugenio Lopez Chikara, and I'm very, very happy for Eugenio Lopez Chikara because he definitely needed that win. Um, 
not necessarily for himself to justify it, but to justify it to everybody else around him uh, making the decision to jump to live from Oklahoma State, guys. And there was some other interesting news that came out of Live Golf this past week. Next week in Jeddah, we could see a cut. We could also see a 72-hole event in Saudi Arabia for the Live Golf event next week, guys. What are your thoughts on this? It's not confirmed. I know that the Flushing It podcast says it is confirmed that they're definitely going to have a cut, reason being to satisfy the OWGR requirements after they did not get them, like we said on this podcast, even though everyone seemed to be reporting uh, that they were going to get them, especially Brooks Kepka's wife. But T-Dub, what are your initial thoughts on Liv possibly going to a cut and possibly going to 72 holes in Saudi Arabia? Arabia. The most interesting part of that would be them trying to go to 72 holes because LIV is literally the Roman numeral for 54. So it's, <laughs> it's so it's so weird that they would want to change that. But at this point in the game, when, you, when you've signed so many great players like they have in the product, at this point, as good as it is, I, I think you need to do whatever you can to, to solidify the, the fact that you have the world ranked. You know, they're not going to change the shotgun start thing, which is in my opinion, what makes the viewers, besides the no commercials, what makes the viewers so good is because you see everyone off the course at the same time. So so those things uh, aren't going to change. But as far as what they need to do to make the world ranking points, I, I think it's something that definitely needs to – they need to do everything they can just to ease this over so we can just get to a point to where Dustin Johnson is the 25th-ranked player in the world when he should be a top-five player. And, and Joaquin Neiman's down there as well. And Cam Smith keeps dropping as well, and he, he should be – up there, so yeah, I, I just ready for the, all this to get settled. And so the, the biggest change for me is I, the, the cut thing isn't isn't real shocking to me. But if they end up going to seventy two holes when one of their whole mantras was being a shorter tournament, fifty four holes, that would be by far the most shocking. One thing I learned this last week, I'm not going to listen to what Jenna Sims has to say. But I'm <laughs> I'm not listening to that woman no more. She sucks me in. Is like the four aces. I shame on me for believing she knew something about what was going on. I'm an idiot again. <laughs> I think there was something going on behind the scenes, though, Woody. And, and give me your overall thoughts on, you know, live going to a cut. Now, would it be after the first round or the second round? Does there have to be two rounds after the cut? How, how do you think they should do a cut or the 72-hole event uh, considering Liv's format in, in the past? One thing for sure, you got to give them credit because they're trying to figure out every way, shape, and form they can get some world ranking points, which good for Liv for thinking about it. you got to go 36-hole cut. And now, how many you cut is what I'd like to know, because you only got 48. So, um, you know, if they cut, let's say they cut 15 guys. Well, are they going to come back and go, well, you didn't cut enough players, so that cut doesn't count. I, I, you know what? I think they're going to try to figure every way they can to keep them from getting world ranking points, and I think Liv is going to try to figure out every way they can to get world ranking points. So, once again, with football being as bad as it is, Thank goodness we have Liv because we got a lot to talk about. 100% 100% guys and to kind of wrap live golf up T-Dub I saw a crazy picture on Twitter that Phil Mickelson tweeted out of his high flyers team all on his private jet and uh, Nick Heinen was on that jet so full circle moment for me seeing a Phil Mickelson tweet of him tweeting out his private jet and, and uh, Nick Heinen's back there in the background with Matt Wolf <laughs> it's pretty crazy that yeah, was super cool I saw that same uh, picture you did and it, it just shows how the team aspect in this live is just brought it full circle I mean everyone wants to point fingers and act like everyone's the enemy and here or there but I mean I mean the, the team aspect of we talk about how much it adds to watching it but it adds to better comp- or camaraderie on and off the golf course and that's what we've seen here and I think it's super cool for Matt Wolf and Heinen and all those other guys I think Cameron Chingali was on there as well so I mean yeah it's, it's cool for all of them to be able to experience that because those guys such a, a bad rap over these last over this last year or so, whenever, and it's overshadowed the fact that he's one of the most popular players uh, of all time, and he's one of, he was one of the most liked guys of, of all time until up until a year ago. So, I mean, he was on cloud nine after he won the PGA Championship, so I, hopefully all that stuff will kind of dilute over time, and uh, we can get back to seeing the Phil Mickelson that we're used to. I just don't know if that'll ever happen. 
Guys, we did have the Shriners Children's Open over this past weekend as well, and Tom Kim continues to be on a massive heater Shoots 24 under, wins the golf tournament by three shots over Patrick Cantlay and Matthew Neesmith. Guys, the story of this golf tournament, while you know the, the golf world will say it's Tom Kim's massive heater and that he's one of the best young players uh, to come out in recent years, to me, I still think that the story of this golf tournament is the fact that in round four, T-Dub, Patrick Cantlay lost 3.56 shots on the field strokes gained approach. That's just mind-boggling coming from one of the best iron players on the PGA Tour, T-Dub. Well, Cantlay lost strokes overall for the tournament this week and still had a chance to win. I mean, I've heard everyone's loving Tom Kim so much that no one's talking about the fact that Patrick Cantlay made a triple bogey on his last hole. I mean, he, he made a he made a 35-footer for a triple bogey. He should have made it a quad. He had one of the worst tee shots on the 18th hole I've ever seen, and he had been absolutely striping it, the driver and threw it off the tee. He was never out of position at any point, hardly at all, during the tournament. And he was putting so good as well. He gained over two shots on the field all week. But I've heard no one talk about the massive choke that Patrick Cantley had on the 18th hole. I don't understand it. If there was any other player who, who had done it besides Tom Kim, who everyone loves now, which I do too. I'm a big Tom Kim fan. I think he's a great guy. And also he had, um, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, but Ricky Fowler's old caddy was there. So that added an extra element to it. Yeah, I mean, Woody, Patrick Cantley, one of the biggest chokes I've ever seen from a, a top 10 player in the world. The one thing, you know, he, that was a classic double cross. If you watch that swing, he was setting up, he was cutting that ball all day long. He was going to hit a little cut shot out there where that three was. And for some reason, he got that club just a little bit under him. And, and it was just a bad swing at a horrendously bad time. Um, I don't know that I call him a choker for it. I think he just made a really bad swing at the wrong time. Then made a really bad decision about trying to play the second shot. And, and that's when the domino gets going. And uh, the poor guy that finished tied for second um, – if can't, he, that guy, I don't even know his name. You guys will have to help me. But he's not a big name. That's a big difference between second alone and getting tied for second for a guy that's wanting to make a bunch of money. I remember when I was a rookie, I was in second place in Canada, and Wayne Levy looked like he was going to find a way to beat me, which Wayne Levy beat a lot of people in 1990. Uh, and dang, if Ian Baker Fitz said make about a six-footer to tie me, and at that time, this doesn't sound like big money, but I would have made about $120,000 instead of eighty-eight, which would have made I'm set for my rookie year of keeping my card. Now, I was lucky I snuck in there and kept it, but that's a big difference. That putt that we kind of laugh at, that 35-footer, it cost that one boy a lot of money. And uh, Cantley didn't care. At that point, he was just – he was mad at himself for – in the last hole up as bad as he did but again I just think it was a bad swing at a bad time T-Dub I don't well, I don't think he's a choker well well you, 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 Matthew Neesmith is the guy you're talking about that Patrick can't finish second with but the, the reason I'm calling it a choke isn't even necessarily the tee shot it, it's on the, what he did on the second shot because a lot of people think a choke is just how your body reacts but a lot of times it's how you make decision making because your mind is not thinking clearly when the pressure's on, and the mind clearly was not thinking. He, they saw a close-up of where his ball was in that in that bush. There was not a chance in hell you were going to move that ball. There was no way you could move, hit that ball, especially sideways, which is exactly where the bush was. If he was going to hit it out, he needed to go essentially backwards, which was the same place that you would have took an unplayable from. So I, I think that it was just a horrible decision to try to lay up. If he would have tried to hit it at the green or something, if there, uh, there was water up there, so he wasn't going to do that, but even just go out in the fairway, I don't feel like you're going to get up and down a whole lot different if you take a good unplayable and at least go back on your yardage and put it on some dirt. So, I mean, I, I just think that it was the decision-making, Woody, that, that was even more of the choking part than just necessarily the double cross. So I do agree. That is exactly what happened on the three. But you're right. His brain was not there. He, he, he went south. I mean, he, what do we call it, a brain part? Well, he had a massive one. So and it, it almost cost him, you know, as it is, he was going to finish second is what you figure, but he almost blew that too. So, but you're right. He, he made, uh, that was not something you see a world-class player do very often. So, but isn't that why we watch golf? Because at any time, the greatest player in the world can look like an idiot, just like we do. And that makes it fun for us in a funny kind of way. 
Guys, let me give you an interesting stat, and I don't think it will surprise you. However, it does show how Tom Kim is one of the most streaky putters on the PGA Tour. Um, If I go back to his win at the Wyndham Championship, he gained over three shots on the field on the greens. If I go to where he finished third at the Genesis Scottish Open, he gained over a shot on the field on the greens. Yesterday at the Shriners Children's Open um, this past week, he gained over a shot and a half on the greens however those are the the only three tournaments in his career that he has gained more than a shot on the field on the greens guys and so to me if Tom Kim putts well he wins the golf tournament or at least finishes top 10 T-Dub uh what do you see from Tom Kim's putting to make him so streaky I know we talked about Eugenio Lopez Chikara possibly being one of those guys too but Tom Kim just continues to be one of the most streaky putters on the PGA Tour and when he putts well he plays good well it's and people get kind of get lost with how much success he's had I mean he's still only 20 years old I mean this is still a very, very young kid. He's not even old enough to buy a beer in the States or, or even buy cigarettes now for that matter. But it, what happens with a lot of, of young guys, and I'm seeing this with Tom Kim as well, it's just he's pretty aggressive on his putting. So what what can happen is is that you can get a little too froggy on some putts, especially when the greens get super fast or you have downhill putts. And, and you can just not be able to see speed. You can not match speed in line, but with, with him being aggressive on his putting, like a lot of, a lot of really good junior players are, you're, you're able to, to – if you can see your line that week, you're going to make a lot of putts because – especially if you have smooth greens because you're not going to have anything in your way. And, you know, this TBC Summerlin sets up essentially like a classic desert golf course, so it's set up very well for him. I thought it was good green uh, for, for his type of putting. And, and last week, too, he did gain, what was it, 1.42 shots approach, which is a lot more than Patrick Cantlake did. So much better iron player there. And he's, he's not the longest player off the tee, but he hits it so straight. And so as long as he can keep doing that, he's going to be a uh, top 20 player or top 15 player in the world over years right now. Woody, what is it about desert golf that makes it so easy for elite players? I mean, we see 24 under. We see, you know, TPC, Scottsdale. The scores are always really low. Obviously, that's a little bit easier course. But it seems like every time we go to a desert course, the scores just go really, really low. Those desert courses are usually built for uh, tourists, okay? or people that um, aren't the best players in the world. And, and so they give them wide, wide areas to hit it in. The other thing to keep in mind is the, the reason they do that is you can only plant grass so many places. So it's, it's real easy to see your targets. When you got desert and green grass, you just see your target so much better. And I think these guys just get in a zone that Johnny Miller was that way in the early 70s. That's way before you guys were even born. Um, he would play in Tucson and Phoenix and win almost every week. And uh, he loved that desert golf because it just his eyes set up so good for it. You see green grass, you see desert. And so the average golfer sees desert than green grass. The tour pro sees nothing but a big old patch of beautiful green grass he sets up to it and he wings it out there so they just go low because the greens are always good the wind never blows in the desert it doesn't seem like it's rare you see wind so everything is set up for these guys to just go crazy and they do they do it every week if you go to the desert you better plan on shooting about 20 under if you're gonna make a check yeah, absolutely. And guys, the way too early FedEx Cup season standings have Max Homa still on top. Mackenzie Hughes, Tom Kim, Matthew Neesmith, and Taylor Montgomery round out your top five uh, for the early season FedEx Cup standings. Uh, boys, let's go ahead and take a break. And then after the break, we have a whole lot to get into as well. But before we get to a break, Woody, why don't you tell us about our friends at Quail Creek Bank? I was telling you guys last week, you remember, I said they celebrated 50 years in business. 50. That, that, that's pretty old. That's not as old as I am, but that shows you what a great bank they are. 50 years they've been doing business, and they don't have a record like that unless they're really good. And they're really good. They take care of their customers better than any bank I've ever been associated with. We said it, and I'll keep saying it, if you're looking for a bank, Please go try Quail Creek. I I guarantee you, you guys will not be let down with it. I promise you. 
Woody, by the way, before we get to a break, because I don't know if you'll be here with us after the break, because you're still digging dirt out on your property out in Nuwala, Oklahoma. So you, you told us before the weekend you were going to become an excavator expert. Uh, how's it going out there, digging out your pond out there on your, on your land? Well, so far, so good. I have not turned over any machinery that big. <laughs> I have... Uh, I have moved. I, I don't know how much dirt I've moved, but if I if I ever see dirt again after this week's over, I'm, I I don't want it. I, if anybody says to me, Woody, you want to get on a skid steer? I'm going to say, no, done it, been there. Stop that video. <laughs> so um, I'm close, though, boys, and I, I hate to do it to you, but I am going to have to leave you at the break because my Manuel, my, my hardworking guy, is still out there moving dirt, and I'm falling behind, and I know he's going to give me a go-to-hell look when I come back. <laughs> well, get out there and help Manuel, Woody. Thank you so much for joining the 73rd hole today. And go move some dirt, all right? Will do, boys, and I'll keep you posted. All right. That was Jim Woodward on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. And we are back here on the other side of the break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And T-Dub, you said during the break you had a Tom Kim stat that you wanted to bring up before we finished talking about him. Yeah, so uh, we, I talked about Patrick Canley so much, and I was just ripping on him. that I mean, they know how good Tom Kim played. And the fact that he went bogey-free over the course of 72 holes, something that we hardly ever see happen very often. So I just wanted to go over some of the players who, who had done it before. So Lee Trevino in 1974 in New Orleans was the first player to ever do it. He won uh, going bogey-free in that tournament as well. It was quite a while until it happened again. Charles Town III in, in 2010, shout out Lifter, uh, went bogey-free at Greenbrier, but he only finished T9 at that event. So I find it funny that a lot of these people on here went bogey-free for the tournament and, and, and didn't win. Uh, Scott Piercy, I actually remember this one happening, down at uh, Byron Nelson at Trinity Force. He finished tied second going bogey-free for 72 holes. And this one was, was pretty funny to me. Mark Anderson in 2020 went bogey-free for 72 holes and finished 36. I mean, are you kidding me? How in the world does that happen? You're making hardly uh, any birdies at all. Some of the other people that do it, this is just um, J.T. Poston did it at the, at the Wyndham. Andrew Putnam did it at the Waste Management, finished seventh. And then, uh, like we just mentioned yesterday, Tom Kim did as well. So pretty uh, pretty short list there for Tom Kim to be on. Going to 72 holes with that bogey, Sam. Pretty damn impressive. Very, very impressive stuff from Tom Kim right there. And we did have one more big tournament over the past weekend, T-Dub, and that was the Spanish Open. And, I mean, it was just absolute chalk, T-Dub. It's it's what Datagolf basically said. I mean, we had John Rahm win by six over Matthew Pavin, and then we had Minwoo Lee, Molinari up there. Uh, it went pretty chalk at the Spanish Open, but John Rahm goes out and dominates, and that's what he should have done. Uh, anyone who is looking forward to seeing John Rahm play some great golf in 2023 had to be pleased with what they saw at the Spanish Open, T-Dub. And you can tell that, that John Rahm, you can, you can say what he wants because after, after the PGA Championship, I wasn't a big fan of him because he just seemed like, you know, he's such a crybaby on the course. It didn't seem like there was any chance he was going to play good. But you could tell after this last tournament that he just absolutely loves his country and I respect the hell out of him for that. Goes out and wins. A six shot, 62 in the final round just to close it out was, I believe, in six 
after fifth or sixth after 36 holes, and then I believe it was one bat going into the final round and went out there and, and just absolutely lit it up. So, but the, the, the highlight to me, Sam, obviously John Rahm, like you mentioned, being the chop, but his comments after the round praising Takara in front of everyone, in front of the Spanish home crowd, that, that earned a lot of respect for me with him. It earned a lot of respect for me, too. And we heard John Rahm say multiple things uh, this past week. But when he was talking about Chikara and saying, you know, it, we hear all this stuff basically about Live Golf and the PGA Tour, he said, we just had a young Spanish player go out and win a big-time event. And he just gave him his props for it. And obviously, Chikara looks up to John Rahm. That had to feel good if you're Eugenio Lopez Chikara, right, T-Dub? I, I mean, that's just big-time stuff from John Rahm right there. Uh, there. There's absolutely no doubt about it. It just adds, adds more more weight to, to the win that Chikara has, I believe. We were kind of talking about that a little bit earlier with Woody. But, but yeah, it, it, it's got to make Chikara feel good. And it's it's just nice to see, you because know, – we will, anytime you watch any of the golf media, you're seeing Rory, you're seeing JT, you're seeing Billy Horschel just absolutely rip, rip, live, and everything that's bad with it. It's nice to see someone who's come out and pretty much back the tour. There was a lot of rumors that Rom was going to go to live. He came out and said, that's not going to happen. So he's solidified. He's staying on the PGA Tour, at least for now. And yet he, there's no qualms about it with him. He, he's been very open about wanting Sergio to be able to play on the Ryder Cup team. Absolutely. That's he absolutely want, wants to do I in all honesty, I don't know if Sergio would be a top 12 European player anyway with, with his age now, but, but just that team is something that you would want to see, and John Rahm definitely wants to see. So I, I love the fact that it's just nice refreshing that out of all the haters there are for all the changes that happen in golf, there's someone who, who's a world-class player who's not entirely opposed. Yeah, and I think John Rahm's sentiments are more – uh, more so reflective of the other PGA Tour players that at least I've talked to, um, kind of like, we don't care, just play where you want to play, do what's best for you. And John Rahm, like you said, came out this past week and, and called for live players to be eligible for the Ryder Cup. That couldn't have made the PGA Tour very happy. He came out and said the Ryder Cup is not the PGA Tour and the European Tour against live. It's Europe versus the United States period. He said the best of each against each other. And for me, the Ryder Cup is above all. I wish that they could just play and it doesn't look good if they don't, T-Dub. And I think that that's huge comments, especially after we heard Luke Donald, who is the European Ryder Cup captain, come out last week and said he's going to unite the Ryder Cup by keeping the live guys out. It's going to be, it's going to be so hard for any of the live guys to, to make the Ryder Cup, just from the sense of with with how many captains picks they have now, they go to six. So you have to be in the top six to be able to make it. And I don't know if, if these guys can play enough DP World Tour events to be able to get enough points for that, unless one of them goes out and wins a major or wins two majors or something you know astronomical like that. It, it's going to be hard for them to get enough points because we know if they're seventh or eighth on, on the points, Luke Donald's not going to pick them. And I, for the U.S., and it might actually be a good thing, if, if John Rom gets a little angry and isn't real happy with his team because he's besides Rory, him and Rory are the best players that, that the Europeans have. And if we can have one of them upset in the locker room, that's got to be good for the United States, right? It definitely has to be good for the United States. And we're talking about Spain and obviously Eugenio Lopez Chikara. Let's talk about Eugenio Lopez Chikara's former teammate at Oklahoma State, T-Dub. Big news coming out of Stillwater, reported by Brentley Romine and then our old man Colby Powell uh, tweeting out on the golfchannel.com that Brian Stark, T-Dub, has entered the transfer portal and notified Alan Bratton last week after not qualifying for the first two events that he wanted out of Oklahoma State and he's going to be transferring somewhere else. And this really hurts the Cowboys, especially with the back injury to Rasmus Nearguard peterson and, and losing Chikara, obviously, Um Oklahoma State's in a bad spot where we thought, you know, our way too early predictions were that Oklahoma State was going to have a massive year this year in 2023. It's an unbelievable loss. The Brian Stark, I believe, was, what, 12th in the P.J. Tour U rankings at the start mm -hmm. of the year? And that's a top 15 guy. It's a guy who's going to get automatic uh, uh, Canada, whatever tour, whatever status it gets now for finishing top 15. It's, that's an absolutely huge accomplishment. Now he's not on the team. And from the report of from Bradley Roman, like you mentioned, it's reading it here. And this is a quote from Alan Bratton. He said, he, he, referring to Brian Stark, came into my office and said he wasn't happy 
and wanted to go elsewhere. So it's we were trying to worry, wonder why the first tournament down here at Colonial that, that Stark wasn't on the team because for OU Patrick Welch, who we forgot to shout out when we were talking about the Shriners, I believe finished 28. What an absolute unbelievable accomplishment that is to be an, an amateur and still do that. But, uh, but, yeah, Brian Stark wasn't down there in Colonial, so we're like, well, what, what in the world's going on? Apparently he didn't qualify for the tournament seminal that we'll get to in just a little bit, and, uh, and apparently he's not very happy about that. So it's, it's very, very interesting to see uh, this happen to the men's program because we saw how bad the transfer portal hurt, um, hurt the women's program last year with their two main players leaving. So I, I don't know if it's, if it's a cultural thing going on up there. I don't know, but it's definitely not a good sign for, for Oklahoma State considering – all the losses they had over these couple of years. And I hope that luckily they have a lot of depth, so they'll be able to get rebound over a little bit of time. But, yeah, this is definitely a huge uh, a huge uh, knock to their season going forward, especially into the spring. Absolutely. And, T-Dub, just you mentioned it. Tell us more about what is going on down at Seminole uh, for the Oklahoma State Cowboys and others. I remember we talked about last week, North Carolina just went down and dominated at Colonial, we're, we're like, man, these guys are, are so good. Uh, Manelty coming in in the transfer, and they've got so many other great players up there at, at the top of the leaderboard. They're currently 39 under. They're just starting uh, the third round. They're through, I believe, anywhere from five to eight holes. They currently have a 20-shot lead over Stanford, which is uh, obviously another really good program. So then you got Florida State at 18 under. Only a 7-17 a tournament. Notre Dame's in there at 12 under. Texas at 8 under, so not having – their best tournament. They shot 293 in the final uh, in their uh, final round yesterday in the second round. So that's absolutely not very good for them. Oklahoma State started the day and in, uh, in seventh place. They moved up. They're currently now in um, in sixth. So uh, you know, luckily they're not down at the bottom. So that's good. But yeah, it's it's going to take a little bit for OSU to come back around and really solidify uh, their top five. But really, the storyline here of Seminole being such a great golf course, but North Carolina just showing their dominance and how they have to be the team to beat right now in college golf. They really do. And I literally know nothing about this kid, David Ford, but he's the two-bag for North Carolina right now, and he is in the lead of this golf tournament at 16-under. We talked so much about Austin Greaser and Dylan Minetti. Um, obviously, Dylan Minetti used to play at Pepperdine, but David Ford, I mean, this kid must be a world beater at North Carolina, and he's two-under on his round today in first place alone. North Carolina, T-Dub, like I said last week, is my way too early pick to win the national championship. I think they have to be the favorite. You mentioned David Ford. Didn't realize this. I just thought he shot 62 in the second round yesterday. 62 on that golf course? Are you kidding me? That, that's absolutely unbelievable. The, I'm, unless I'm missing someone here, the next best score was that there's a 66. So he was, he beat the, who was Jonas Bumgarner, by the way, shout out to OSU. He beat the first best score, second best score by four shots and beat the third best score by six shots. So absolutely great golf. There and yeah, it's with North Carolina currently has five players inside the top nine, so it's yeah. There, I don't see really. I mean, bad golf can come at any point, but yeah, they they would if, if they're Vegas odds on this, they're definitely uh, uh, minus money to win the national championship this. Year. Yeah, and, and maybe I should know more about David Ford because he is 13th in the World Amateur Golf Ranking right now, a sophomore at North Carolina. They are absolutely loaded. It's going to be interesting to follow them throughout the year. Um, T-Dub, we did have the Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2K23 video game come out yesterday or last night at 11 p.m. Central Time. I downloaded it. I played it last night so I could talk about it today. That's That'll be my excuse every time Reagan comes in here and I'm playing video games. <laughs> I'll just say, I'm working, babe. Get out of here, you know? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, babe. Don't kill me. Uh, uh, but anyways, T-Dub, I, I, was, I was impressed. They've done some, uh, some gameplay things that I really like uh, as far as, you know, the new swing meter. And obviously, you can play with different players. You can play with Michael Jordan and get all the Jordan gear. You can get the Tiger Woods gear. Um, now, as far as the graphics and everything, it looks pretty similar other than the fact that the players have their own swings. But I think all in all, I'd give it, you know, just after playing it one day, I'd give it a solid eight. I, I think it's really fun, and I'll, I can see myself playing it quite a bit. And uh, there was other news coming out. Um, but, T-Dub, what are your initial thoughts on uh, Tiger Woods' video game coming out? 
Well, so it sounds like it's something that, that I need to get into because, like you said, I could just use as any excuse to say, hey, I'm working, so I'm going to – I got to sit down and play this game. So if you were if you were going to break down – you know, you, you broke down a decent amount of things there that were different than maybe the previous uh, 2K, the one with Justin Thomas on the cover. But if you had to just prioritize what's like the first – you know, what's the best thing that's different, the second best thing that are different from it, what, what would you say if, – if you're if you're just trying to sell pitch me on why to go buy this game, what would you tell me? Well, I would tell you, number one, I think it's interesting that you can upgrade your player, not just your golf clubs now, and you can sign different deals, whether it be with Callaway, Ping, or or Titleist. I think that that stuff is really fun. The PGA Tour career mode is a little bit watered down. Obviously, they don't have the majors rights, which we'll get to in a second. Like I said, EA Sports has those majors rights, and so um, it's a little bit watered down as far as the career mode goes but um, I do like the fact that they added golf balls and you can you know buy different sleeves of golf balls that uh, that do different things and help you out in different ways and Bridgestone and like I said Titleist Callaway all those um, are on the game and so like I said I've only played it for about a couple hours but the couple hours I did play I, I was fully entertained T-Dub. Did you, have you played with Tiger yet? That's the All-American question. I have not played with Tiger yet. I, I created my guy, and, you know, I, I, I'm really OCD about how my player looks. And so uh, I spent most <laughs> of my time doing that last night. And, and right now, the funny part is since I paid for the uh, Tiger Woods edition, my guy just looks like a Tiger Woods fanboy out there with the red shirt and the Tiger Woods hat. Uh, the, the one problem that I see with this game, T-Dub, is that I'm wearing black pants but white socks. I couldn't find white socks or I couldn't find black socks anywhere I can't go out there and wear high water black pants with white socks I'm going to be shooting 15 over every time oh that that, that is a horrible look there there's <laughs> got to be a way to customize you got to be able to get some socks maybe maybe you get to level 10 or something like that you'll be able to unlock the black socks but my, my question is about tiger is is it what tiger are we getting are we getting the current tiger who's like a like a thousandth in the world because I don't really want to play with him. Can, can, do we get two thousand Tiger? Is there Sunday Tiger from the old games? Is he like what are what are Tiger's stats on this game? I'm very interested to see that and to play with them because, like I said, I, I need to know if I'm getting a 2022 Tiger, if I'm getting two thousand Tiger, 2014 Tiger, 2012 Tiger. There's a lot of differences there, Sam. I, there's a lot of uh, creativity that uh, they can go with this. A hundred percent. And I think it is the tiger right now with a little bit of upgrades, but, uh, you know what, T-Dub, I'm just going to have to do some more work, uh, over this next week. And, uh, I'll let you know on future podcasts. How about that? Um, but we did have T-Dub big news that EA sports, uh, released their trailer for their upcoming game. Uh, not exactly sure when that is supposed to release. I don't think they have a release date yet, but they do have all four majors signed to EA Sports. The trailer had Jordan Spieth on the trailer, and, and it looked like a whole lot better graphics, but I think that 2K... Uh, has pretty much done everything to make the game playable and, and what the uh, community wants. And so I think that it's going to be tough for EA Sports to kind of do the uh, gameplay things that 2K has done. But I think that their kind of selling point will be the graphics and the fact they have Augusta National. I mean, Sam, I feel like over the last few months we've been really, really talking about should we have a live PGA Tour merger? This is the merger that we need to happen. We need an EA 2K merger and get these two games merged together because <laughs> which one are you going to pick? Are you, you going to pick Tiger Woods and the custom course designer and uh, and all that? Or are you going to pick the EA Sports game with Augusta National, Jordan Spieth, and the four majors? It, we need these games to combine together because this is the real rivalry in golf that we don't need to happen. So it's, but let's get these games merged together. But, yeah, it, it, the graphics look great. I'm real interested to see is that more just a theatrical type thing just for that trailer right. or is it actually going to look like that during the game? And, a lot of that may – it'll probably look better on that if you have a PS5 like you do or an Xbox Series X and as compared to an Xbox One or PS4. The graphics will probably look a lot closer to what we saw in the trailer. So I'm definitely interested to see it. I wasn't able to find a release date like, like you were, Sam. So I think that'll come out in a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see how much success the Tiger 2K game has over this time because if they go out and they're able to kind of dominate the market a little bit, is there going to be room for the, for the uh, Augusta National game? Because – you have golf nuts like us out there, Sam, who will play both games. 
but the general casual fan who just throws in a golf game late at night just to have some fun isn't going to get both games. So it's, it's going to be an interesting kind of feud here to see which one of them can kind of take the mantle over the course of these next couple of years. No, absolutely, T-Dub. And there's one organization, T-Dub, that I don't think will be upset whether you buy the 2K video game or the EA Sports video game. That is the PGA Tour, who is partnered with both EA Sports and 2K on both video games. However, in the EA Sports video game, you will have, like I said, Jordan Spieth and the Road to the Masters, which I I would assume that's kind of your career mode um, on the EA Sports video game. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. That as well. Uh, T-Dub, why don't I just go ahead and play this trailer for you, and I'll let you give your initial thoughts on the EA video game. You dream of something long enough. Can you make it a reality? Where around every corner lies tradition and perfection. Where every tee is yours, and the majors, yours to win. Yeah. We built that place, the place you've been waiting for, the only place to experience it all. Okay, T-Dub. Now, it gave me some goosebumps when they said the only place to experience it all, and they're driving down Magnolia Lane, uh, you know, virtual style. Oh, it was an absolutely dope trailer. I thought it, I thought it looked magnificent. I thought it, like you said, a Magnolia Lane thing. Super cool. It's interesting timing. I mean, they released a trailer today whenever the Tiger Woods game came out literally the same day so that's very 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 funny there and I'm one thing I think I've noticed from all this man we have two PGA Tour games where's our live golf game now? I think we need one to get one of those started I don't know if that'll ever happen T-Dub only because of dollar signs if you know what I mean especially as far as the PGA Tour goes it might happen in future years but it would be it would be fun to uh do a little shotgun start on a video game I, I wonder if they'll implement that or if they'll give us a 54 hole option on either of these video games well I feel like that if you did make a live game it would be fairly simple to get like the course rights and all that stuff right that you have the, the events on because like on the pj tour you have 50 tournaments a year you can't get the rights to all 50 courses but uh, on the live you have 14 events or whatever this year you had eight you could easily get those eight courses and do it as well so I, i'm not saying that like ea or 2k would get live but there's another golf or another game manufacturer out there i don't know if there is any that are in the sports industry so they uh, the pj tour might have already solidified that market all the way up now that they have two games T-Dub, did we miss anything today? No, this is, the, the thing I want to point out is that, like you mentioned earlier, how bad football is. So it's just so great that we have some actual good golf going on right now. And this this weekend is another example, and I just want people to know, no matter what they hear in other places, these two tours can coexist, and it is healthy for the game of golf to have these great players playing in more places. I mean, we had three great tournaments this last week with the Shriners Live and, and the Spanish Open. It was Absolutely phenomenal during football season. Usually watching football with how bad my football teams are this year, I, it's very hard to do. It's almost like, uh, you know, sticking needles in your arm, just trying to, you know, purposely torture yourself watching football now. So it's uh, it's great to have all these tours out there with all these great players playing. And I, I hope that golf keeps going in this direction because it is a beautiful thing. I think that's a perfect way to end the show. And anyways, if anybody needs local golf news, go to golfoklahoma.org. Kim McLeod, Chris Swafford doing a great job with golfoklahoma.org up in Tulsa. And also subscribe to the magazine for next year. The travel issue will be coming out in January, like always. T-Dub, thank you so much today. Thank you to Jim Woodward for joining the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast podcast of golf oklahoma